What the hell is the name of this thing? Is this Wayne's World? The award-winning Evan Grant. I can't even count anymore on my fingers and toes. Kevin Sherrington. Kevin Sherrington, clown number one. Barry Horn. Right. He tried to get me in mid-shoe. Good morning and welcome everybody to another Ballsy Podcast. Brad, that's the name of this. That was Brad Sham asking what the name of this is. And with uh, Kevin Sherrington and Evan Grant out in Surprise, Arizona, it's just me, Barry Horn, and we have a special guest, the only person I could think of who could replace Kevin and Evan and still come out ahead. Welcome, Ed Werder of ESPN. Ed, how are you? I'm well. How are you, Barry? I'm, I'm doing great, and uh, thank you for joining us on this Cowboys podcast. Uh, I don't think I'd be uh, telling any tales out of school when I say that we've been trying to have you on for months and, and, and or years, and your allegiance is always, well, I could come on, but I might have to hop on SportsCenter at any moment now. So thank you. Well, when you when you when you call me during the season, it is a little more difficult when I'm in Bristol and I'm at the uh, I'm available to every Sports Center show during a 24 hour cycle, and then you <laughs> want to work this in. And you know, quite honestly, your guest fee is not what it used to be. And well, that that's because we have people in Surprise Arizona spending money like crazy. Uh, but but here, here here's the thing, and it's always Cowboys season in Dallas, Texas. Don't you know that? Better than most, I think. I've been here since, uh, well, I first came to the market in 1989 and went away for a few years, as Jimmy preferred, and then I returned as he was opposed, and I have been here ever since 1992. And, and you're a former, former Dallas Morning News Cowboy beat writer. And you you were, say that with great pride, by and, the way. And, and you were there the night that Jerry went off on Jimmy, correct? In the bar? You yeah, were... Rick, Go- Rick Goslin and I and two other uh, out-of-town writers were... Um, socializing in the in the uh, hotel bar at the NFL owners meetings in '94, and as we were leaving very early in the morning, Jerry grabbed my pants leg and said, "You don't want to leave now. You're going to miss the story of the year." And I said, "Well, what's the story of the year?" And he said, "I'm going to fire that blankety 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 Jimmy Johnson." And so we sat down and had another cocktail. So when you say early morning, was it like eight o'clock in the morning, eight thirty in the morning? <laughs> Uh, no, I think Jerry's probably capable of that, but uh, this was probably more like uh, one, one thirty, and we probably wound up staying till two thirty or three, you know, with a promise from Jerry that we would get back together, reconvene the next day, and uh, when people had notebooks and uh, and pens and tape recorders instead of cocktails and appetizers, uh, and were better equipped to uh, accurately quote him, we would. Uh, uh, readdress the whole situation and get he would give us an honest opinion of his uh, relationship with Jimmy and how it had changed and uh, he did not initially willingly do so but eventually we did get to that so let me ask you this so Jerry made news again last week when he started talking about concussions in the NFL and uh, head, head injuries have really nothing to do with CTEs what do you make of this when this was like the day after the league came out and admitted there was an issue yeah, the, the league doctors admitted in court uh, for what seemed to be publicly the first time that there was a, a link in their minds between CTE and playing football, uh, which I think exposed the NFL to some liability, and apparently that's what Jerry thought as well. And so um, in, an, in a move to protect his money, in my opinion, um, he denied the existence and, and went so far as to describe it as absurd to suggest that there was a proven connection between CTE and playing professional football. Uh, And and like a lot of things Jerry says, um, 
you know, he, he, he starts poorly with, as he did in this case, by saying it was absurd. Then kind of what he says in the middle makes a lot of sense that, you know, more data needs to be uh, gained before we can make any definitive conclusions about the link between these two. And then at the end, he then again finishes with a conclusion that is somewhat not quite correct. But in between those two outlandish statements, he says a lot of reasonable things, uh, and that's, again, what I think he did here. But, you know, we live in 160, uh, 160, whatever you want to call it, world of Twitter, 160 words, 140, 140 characters. 160, it's only 140. 140, no character, words, 140 character Twitter world. And all, the, the only thing everybody remembers, I think, of it, aside from astute observers absurd. of the scene, uh, is that he used the word absurd, correct? Yeah. Yeah, and, but that, I mean, that doesn't make it right. Um, as I always tell people who take the wrong message from my tweets at times, you know, I only get 140 characters. Can we read all of them? You know, is it too much to ask to read every one of the few words we get to use? Um, and in this case, I think that's fair to Jerry, too. He shouldn't have said, obviously, it's not absurd. Uh, and the NFL admits it's not absurd uh, for people to believe that there's a link because their own doctors now believe that there's a link. And so for Jerry to say it's absurd... Uh, I think that's wrong. In between the two opening and closing comments, he did make some valid points. But I think we know, those of us who are in the Dallas market and around the Cowboys a lot, know there are a lot of Jerry's uh, at Valley Ranch. And there's, you know, there's head coach Jerry, there's president Jerry, there's owner Jerry, there's general manager Jerry. But the most untrustworthy of all the Jerry's is Dr. Jerry. <laughs> have, you, have, you, have you talked to Jerry about medical issues in the, in the past uh, of Cowboy players and, and- Walked away shaking your head? I, I think we all have seen that Jerry really can't be trusted on medical information. I mean, uh, the one that comes to mind to me among many uh, recently was, you know, when Tony Romo suffered um, his back injury against the Redskins uh, two, three years ago. And, you know, Jerry made it sound like there was every reasonable possibility that Romo would come back and play that following week against the Eagles in a game, a Week 17 game, I think, that was for the division title. Uh, and Adam Schefter at the time was reporting that Romo was out for the season, regardless of whether the Cowboys made the playoffs and went deep into, into the postseason or not. And Jerry was saying, uh, you know, we could see dramatic improvement in the next few days, and it's not out of the realm of possibility that Tony Romo would play, when in fact... Uh, Romo's condition uh, among Cowboys doctors and, and medical people was well known. There was no way he was playing. He could barely fly home on the plane. He was apparently on the floor and had to be, you know, lay flat. He couldn't sit up. Uh, every reasonable opinion was that Tony Romo had zero chance of playing in another game. And yet, Jerry, for whether it was you know gamesmanship or for competitive purposes, was was saying something completely different. So. Uh, I think it's pretty well documented that you can't entirely trust Dr. Jerry's opinion on these things. Wait, when Jerry talks about Tony Romo and his future and says he has four more seasons, five more seasons, is that Dr. Jerry? Is that Coach Jerry? Is that Offensive <laughs> Coordinator Jerry? Is that Fanboy Jerry? What? And yeah, that's, I think that's all the Jerry's there are at Valley Ranch, hoping for that to be true, uh, especially after what happened last season and we saw how utterly incapable they are of of winning a game without it, what they want, went one and eleven. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, so I think that's that's just optimistic, you know, team builder, salesman, advertiser, mogul Jerry, uh, hoping that that is the outcome. When I think most people would agree that that's not likely. I think I think the hope that you can or, or 
make your personnel decisions based on believing that Tony Romo at 36 after, you know, a succession of back injuries. Now he's had a, uh, separated his collarbone, fractured his collarbone three times in five years. Uh, I think that's, you know, wishful thinking that you're going to get four to five years out of Tony so, Romo. I think it's foolhardy to plan that way. It's wishful thinking to believe it's possible. So what does insider Eddie think? Uh, what would you think uh, would be a reasonable uh, prognosis on the rest of Tony's career? I mean, it Himself. seems to me that I, I would think, two. like I said, I think two to three years is, is a reasonable way to plan on having him as your quarterback. And and for that reason, I would not hesitate to consider dedicating the number four pick in the draft to a quarterback if I thought uh, Carson Wentz uh, was was worthy of that pick or Jared Goff uh, were worthy of the pick. Uh, that's a that's a good segue. You must have been, you must have done this before. Have you done this before? Occasionally, we do some good television work on Sports Center, where one thing naturally leads into the next. What do you think? Uh, have Have you had time to to dissect the quarterbacks? I mean, I don't. I'm not one of these guys who goes out and watches film. I basically solicit the opinion of the experts. Um, from the people I've talked to, um, they believe that there's a significant difference between Carson Wentz and Jared Goff, and that those are by far the number one and number two quarterback prospects. Doesn't seem to be a lot of concern about the fact that Wentz played at a a small school. I think the Cowboys had a very favorable experience, uh, according to Jason Garrett and the coaching staff, with him at the Senior Bowl. Uh, he's a big quarterback. Uh, he's, he fits the NFL prototype. Yet he can extend plays. He has some mobility. Uh, but I don't. I don't. I mean, the people I talk to, who I trust, don't really think that these are guys who can step in and play right away. In some cases, they don't even think they can step in and play as the number two as rookies. But we've seen we've seen rookie quarterbacks who have done pretty well, and if they have enough talent around them and. Uh, and, and you can play to the running game and play to the defense, and those are Cowboys are going to be, if they're going to be any good, they're going to have to be able to. Ed, are you still there? Yes, oh, okay. I am still here. Okay, yes. we, we, you, you fell out at the end there. So let, let, me, let, me, let me ask you this question. Do the people, the experts you talk to, do they have a preference for the Cowboys? Assuming both of them are there, do, do they, are they telling you that both of them might be there, and who would the Cowboys, who would be better for the Cowboys? Well, I think most people believe that the Browns, even though they just signed Robert Griffin III, are still inclined to take a quarterback at two. And so unless the Cowboys were to trade up to one, they would would not be certain to get the quarterback of their choice. I think with uh, you know Jared Goff, he obviously didn't play uh, in the Cal system. He wasn't under center very much, so he's another one of these guys who is going to be better at the sh- out of the shotgun early in his career and is going to have to learn uh, to take the snap from center and under center and run a huddle and, and those sorts of things and the footwork that comes with that. Uh, so he's going to be a work in progress. He's not a real big guy. He's tall but frail. Um, so um, I think those are the concerns about Jared Goff. And I, I don't know that people think the Cowboys are going to take a quarterback at four, but I, I mean the sense I get is people think it's absurd that Jerry is almost ruling out the possibility. I mean he said – Everything we're doing and all the decisions we make are going to be based on believing Tony Romo is going to be our quarterback for another four or five years. And yet, this is the same guy who, in Jerry Jones, who two years ago was telling everybody he wanted Johnny Manziel. So how do they not, if they needed a quarterback, in his opinion, in the first round two years ago, two years later, especially after Tony Romo has suffered two more fractured 
um, uh, collarbones and has missed nearly an entire season, how two years later do they need a quarterback less than they did two years ago when they had a first-round grade on a quarterback and Jerry had to be talked out of taking him? So you, you brought up the magic name, Johnny Manziel. Uh, did I actually say his name? You did. I think you did. Oh, okay. Maybe I did. I think you did. And if you didn't, I you you certainly alluded to him. What about Johnny Manziel and the Cowboys? When Jerry calls you later today and you make your lunch plans for later in the week, what will, <laughs> what will you tell Jerry about John, about signing Johnny Manziel? I will bring a food taster to that lunch, and let me tell you. <laughs> what, um, I obviously Jerry um, has a high regard for Johnny Manziel. Um, and, and, and he maintains that even though the player has done nothing to vindicate him in his opinion that he was a viable player and the, you know, what do they have? They, he said they had him fifth, fifth or sixth on their board. Uh, so they didn't follow their board that year in the draft and, and Jerry got talked out of taking him and probably wisely so. And, and given what we've seen so far, definitely wisely so. Um, but yeah, Jerry still has an affinity for this guy. Um, obviously is, is taken by the way he plays, but I think Jerry has come to recognize or people have forced him to recognize that the guy has problems uh, that are epic in scope and could prevent him from ever playing in the National Football League again and certainly uh, interfere with the likelihood of him ever developing into the kind of franchise quarterback that Jerry once saw him to be. And even Jerry is now saying, this guy needs to take care of his personal life before even the Cowboys would consider signing him. Let me ask you. The, let me ask you this question. And first of all, aren't you glad that Evan Grant and Kevin Sherrington aren't here with us today? Oh, do they usually do this show? Yeah, they do. But they're but they're but oh, they're but oh, they're, okay. they're not here. They're out in surprise. But it's not only just Jerry you and I. I'm I'm very comfortable with that. <laughs> Uh, maybe we I'm can, sure they would have just gotten in the way in some clumsy, maybe we in can, their own clumsy way. Maybe we can go for an ice cream soda after we're done, just you and I. But want to talk about food from you on this? <laughs> but but here here's my question: At this time of year, how do you know what to believe? What anybody is telling you, or what people are saying, or at any time in the NFL? Because everybody has Look, obviously their own agenda. Uh, how do you know what to believe when people say? I I, I never understand that. Well, this is you know. People lie in the NFL all the time. To, yeah, this is the time of the year when they do it with a clear and expect to make no apologies. And 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 Jerry, you know, has always said, well, when I make a statement, it's really just a statement for that day, which means it doesn't really carry any validity into the following day. So, you know, believe what I say and uh, the gravity you think it has uh, at your own risk. I remember one time I was covering. Um, a draft in San Diego, but one of my other responsibilities was to cover uh, a team I know well in the Saints. And so uh, the Saints had a very high pick, and I, I, the day before the draft, I, I called the head coach, Jim Hazlitt, who I consider to be a friend of mine and somebody I could trust. And I said, hey, let me ask you uh, what you think of a few players. And I named them, and he, and he gave me what seemed to be fairly honest opinions. And then he brought up Deuce McAllister, of, of his own volition, he said, let me tell you a couple guys I just don't see it in, and he brought up Deuce McAllister, which surprised me because I kind of had thought maybe Deuce McAllister would be a player that they would draft. So I called, right after I hung up, I called Randy Mueller, the general manager, and I said, what do you think of Deuce McAllister? And he said, I think he's Fred Taylor. <laughs> so, it was pretty clear they had a lot of interest and they considered him a very good player, and ultimately they did draft him even though they had Ricky Williams. So, so... So what you're saying? How do you, how do you know? So how how did you know you could believe the general manager at that point and 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 not the coach? Or you? you... Well, 
I mean, I just, I just knew at that point that I, my instinct was I couldn't believe what the coach was saying, and so I just needed to find out if somebody else in the organization would validate that opinion or contradict it. And so once it was contradicted, I knew no longer ever could I believe that anything Jim Haslett said uh, around draft time. Still, I still admire him. I still like him as a guy. But, you know, some people will do anything to get their players, and I totally understand that. But I, I just think there are people you know – based on your history with them about whether they're telling you the truth or not. Because I think the, the good people in the league, and there are a lot of them who are honest, will just say, I just can't, I just can't say that. I've had people tell me, hey, listen, when I don't call you back, that means I can't honestly answer your question. Okay. So we have hundreds of thousands of Cowboy fans listening to this podcast. So we will listen to this podcast. Hundreds of thousands? Hundreds of thousands. That's had correct. I known that earlier, I would have been very nervous. Did you dress up? Are you dressed up for this? I'm dressed. Okay. Let's say that. Okay. Let me ask you this. How comfortable should they be if the Cowboys go into the season with Kellen Moore as the backup quarterback? I, I think, uh, you know, Jason Garrett said he's earned that the right to compete for that position based on how he played at the end of the year. I think Scott Linehan, would have, the offensive coordinator, would have no misgivings whatsoever about Kellen Moore being the backup quarterback. Um, but he's also part of the reason that they went 1-11. and I'm a little surprised. Given that fact, and, and I, I don't necessarily think it was because of the quarterback play, whether it was Matt Castle or Brandon Whedon or Kellen Moore, I don't think they were solely responsible for the failure of the team. I think the team failed the court, backup quarterback as much as the backup quarterback failed the team. That being said, you know, Jerry said that they understood the importance of that position, and once they really did, because they were paying Kyle Orton $5 million a year a few mm-hmm. years ago, mm-hmm. and they were justifying that by saying, we, we recognize how important it is to have two quarterbacks you can win with. So I don't really understand the disconnect now, uh, given the experience they just had, why they haven't gone out and gotten a legitimate backup quarterback. And, and maybe, it's, maybe it'll be Josh McCown, who hasn't been cut yet in Cleveland, if he gets cut at all. I think he would be an excellent choice for the job. So let's see how it all plays out. But, yeah, at this point, I'm surprised that they only have uh, what they do on the roster, that primarily being Kellen Moore and Tony Romo at the position. Are you, are you surprised about the uh, free agency class the Cow- uh, Cowboys have signed, not their own players who they've re-signed, but the three guys. None, none of necessitated a big press conference at at Jerry World or even at Valley Ranch. Am I right about that? Um, I, if they did, I missed it. But uh, yeah. let, let's go player by player. Alfred Morris. Well, I think Alfred Morris is a guy who you know who fits their scheme. He's a veteran player. He's an inexpensive player. He's a high character guy. He's a you know he's a tough runner. Uh, not not in my opinion, not going to make a lot of big plays. Uh, I think he'll work fine with Darren McFadden, but I don't. I think the two of them together don't give you what Demarco Murray gave you at his very best the year before last. And I think he totally changed the way the Cowboys approached and played the game of football on offense. So the Cowboys should have resigned Demarco Murray. Is that what you're? I think the I think the Cowboys. I, I understand they couldn't resign Demarco Murray when Philadelphia made him the offer that they did. I think where they made a mistake was in not signing DeMarco Murray, even though he had an injury history, during his record-breaking season at some point early on to a futures contract, uh, you know, like they did with several other players, and, and including uh, was it Crawford last year and a safety the year before that, um, that they took chances on and paid starting money to guys who had not yet really proven themselves in that capacity. Uh, and they put themselves in a position where, 
it was either or with the franchise tag with Des Bryant and and DeMarco Murray going out of contract at the same time. They kicked, they they should not have allowed that to happen. They should not have allowed those two players uh, to play out their contracts in the same year. That was a big mistake, and that prevented them from keeping DeMarco Murray, who I think was essential to winning. Would you have kept Murray over Des? No. Okay. I just wouldn't have put myself in a position where I had to couldn't have both. Do you think the Cowboys' offensive line makes Alfred Morris a better running back? Yes. Okay. How much better? But but I also don't. I also, in saying that, I don't think that I'm not a person who believes that anybody can run behind that offensive line. Um, and, and I think we 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 saw some indication of that last year. Although McFadden put up reasonably good numbers ultimately once he got the job in Week Seven. Um, but uh, to say uh, to say that the back doesn't make the line, I think is a mistake. I think the, a great running game starts with a great back, whether that's Emmett Smith or that's Demarco Murray. Um, and and if that's not true, then we would have never seen Emmett Smith become the all-time leading rusher in in, in NFL history because Derek Lassick would have taken the job when Emmett went out of contract the first time. I, I always um, thought so, Sherman Williams was the guy would would be a, would be the guy. He was a he was a shifty little guy. <laughs> Oh, you said shifty, right? There was an F in shifty. there. Shifty. Oh. What else would I have said? I don't know. I don't know. I, no. some, my, you know, at my age, my hearing is going really quickly. <laughs> um, what about uh, Cedric Thornton? I uh, quite honestly don't don't know a ton about him, but obviously, sort of a backup type guy. Don't I don't think he's a major impact player um, for the Cowboys uh, this year or or probably in the future, but maybe a good depth guy. And if you if you don't think. If you don't know much about him, do you know much about Benson Mayawa? I, well, he, he was a player who had a couple of sacks for the Raiders, you know, didn't figure big in their rotation. Um, I think a guy who's probably going to, according to Jason Garrett, going to play more inside than outside, has some pass rush ability. Um, but, again, not, not the kind of guy who solves their obvious need uh, for an outside pass rusher. So I think you know, that's a, a position that they've somehow got to find somebody who can make a contribution in the draft at that outside linebacker uh, defensive end position to create some pass rush. Is that the greatest need, do you think, in the draft? Is that what they need? Yeah, I think it is, and, and I don't think there are a lot of players as good a draft as this is, and, and people really think it's strong uh, on the defensive side of the ball, but up front I think most of the talent uh, comes from inside players not edge rushers, and the Cowboys, in my opinion, need an edge rusher more than they need an inside, a guy who can inside create some inside pressure. And so you're not a big Joey Bosa fan? Or, can I take away that from this? Uh, you keep hearing that the Cowboys aren't that fascinated with him. I mean, I, I guess I don't know enough about him yet to make that judgment, um, but I don't think he's a phenomenal pass rusher. Everybody talks about Noah Spence being... Um, a far better edge rush guy, but he has some obviously off the field liabilities, and you question whether uh, you know picking at four is too high for him given that, and whether the Cowboys, given some of the risks they've already taken that they have failed on, are in a position to to justify doing that again. Uh, if they traded back, maybe Spence becomes a player who's considered, but I don't think many people see him going in the top five. But he more fits to me what the Cowboys are looking for. Do you do you think the Cowboys would trade down? Oh yeah, I mean I I don't know I don't know which players they would stay for, um, and I don't I don't know if they you know I mean everybody talks about well the Rams maybe they trade up for a quarterback 
you know, they're really going to move to L.A. and have Case Keenum as their starting quarterback. Hey, 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 come their, on. What's, what, you love Case Keenum? He's a Houston guy, University of Houston guy. we got we got to support the in-state guys. He's, he's had his chances. Okay. Um, but so a lot, and, they, and the Rams have multiple second-round picks, and, and, and they've demonstrated in the past an in, in interest in quarterbacks. And so maybe they could trade up to four. Uh, and the Cowboys could slide back and acquire extra picks uh, that maybe they could get a quarterback at the top of the second round and a pass rusher somewhere uh, in the first round. Uh, so yeah, I think I think they're Jerry's always willing to trade back, and if you can accumulate you know high picks, then then you should. But I, if I was the Cowboys, my goal would be to secure the quarterback position going forward at four, hoping that I'm never picking this high again in the next ten years. And that the player I pick at the most important position in the game justifies that with, with premier play at that position. And you have a seamless transition. I mean, we, we, all thought, we all heard Jerry say he learned from what happened after Troy Aikman retired. And quite honestly, they're fortunate that they've solved that quarterback position when they did because they didn't draft Tony Romo and they didn't even offer him the most money. Uh, as a as a priority free agent, but he's still signed here, and obviously he's been a very good player at that position. So why not dedicate that pick to a quarterback who can be your guy going forward? If you think one of these guys can do that, much like the 49ers did when they had the luxury of going from Joe Montana to Steve Young, who they acquired in a trade, or like I think the Cowboys are in a very similar position to the Packers in 2008 when the decision is: do we use our pick? to get Brett Favre, another player, and help him win a Super Bowl, or do we get the guy who's going to replace Brett Favre in but, the near future? But what pick did they have that year? when they? When that they... was like 20 seconds. Okay, so does that but matter? it doesn't matter. Okay. It, it, not to me. I mean, if you get Aaron Rodgers at 22nd instead of 4, great, but if you get him at 4, would that be bad? Are you, you're really passionate about this, aren't you? I just get passionate about football. Wow. Okay. Hey, you know, how about Jalen Ramsey? You know, how about Jalen Ramsey? A lot of people think he's the best athlete in the draft and has position versatility, like uh, um, he can play corner, he can play safety. Uh, I think the Cowboys view him as more of a safety, and probably that makes him less valuable to them because they probably need a corner more than they need a safety. Um, so, But I think, he's a, I think he's a very good player, and he's certainly somebody the Cowboys would have to consider uh, at four if that's where they stay, and he's still on the board. And talk about the Cowboys' secondary uh just let's wrap this up. We we're 27 minutes into this. I promised you, which yeah, is lo- which years. is longer hit than you get on any sports center. And I just I just want to point out that if you decide you'd like talking for 27 minutes, we <laughs> we, we you can be on with us every week and and get rid of that sports center crap. Well, I, w- I was hoping you could chop this up into five minute segments, and I and I wouldn't have a a call for a request from you for the next. Three, four months. Oh, no, no. You know, you made the mistake. You've been so good on this. I'm calling you every week from now on. But, but, but. I'll give you. Go ahead. No, go ahead. Well, I mean, the, their, their, their cornerback situation obviously is, is less than ideal. They've re signed Mo Claiborne, uh, you know, who they drafted a few years ago as the first defensive player off the board. They said they had the highest grades on him since Deion Sanders at the position, and he hasn't justified that uh, through injury and. And poor technique at times. He, uh, he, you know, he's a guy they had a hard time making a decision on as to whether to keep or not. Uh, and then Brandon Carr is a good player, but he's not a fifty million dollar player, and that's what they're paying him. And so far, they haven't been in a position where they can leverage him to, into accepting a pay cut. Now, if they draft the corner, obviously they can just release him, or they will have more than enough leverage to justify 
by him accepting a pay cut. So I think a guy like Florida's Vernon Hargreaves is a is a guy who will have to merit some consideration if the Cowboys stay at four and he's still on the board. I mean, uh, obviously, to have two starting corners who don't get a, a interception, a single interception in a calendar year, is an indictment not only of them, uh, but of the pass rush, because uh, quarterbacks don't make mistakes very often if you can't put them under duress and force the ball out prematurely. Uh, and so uh, I think, obviously, that's a, an area where the Cowboys really have to address if they're going to really significantly improve and get back to being a 12-14. and 14. You know, this reminds me of all the old Maverick drafts uh, when Rick Sun was drafting. The Mavericks would pick fourth. And Rick Sun would say it's a three-player draft. The Mavericks were, were picking seventh. They go, there are six great players in this draft. And now the here we have a draft with the Cowboys' top need or apparent top need would be a pass rusher. And and you're telling me that the number the top pass rusher on everybody's board is not a great pass rusher. The defensive end, Joey Bosa. Yes, I'm just saying that I think the I've heard that from a lot of people. And I could be I mean I could be wrong. I obviously, a, a lot of people could be wrong. Uh, I don't think he's J.J. Watt or, or anything like that. Um, and, oh, the Cowboys could have had him if they hadn't taken Tyron Smith instead. Not that that was a mistake, but I'm um, just saying. What was, well, let's get, let's, was that a mistake? Who, who? Oh, wow. <laughs> okay. I, I mean, obviously you can't go wrong, but, yeah, I think, I, I think I'd rather have J.J. Watt. He's one of the greatest defensive players in the history of the game already. Okay. No, but, but Tyron Smith's a great player at an important position, but – yeah, I think I think J.J. Watt is better at his position than Tyron Smith is at his. You know, that's another great segue, Mr. Ed Werder. Uh, you talked about one of the greatest uh, in the game, and I'm going to say you're one of the greatest at what you do in the game, and I want to thank you so much for being on this ballsy podcast without Evan Grant and without Kevin Sherrington. And well, anytime we can be without those two guys, I'm glad to do it with you, Barry. All right, thank you so much for being with us. Thanks, Barry. Enjoyed it. All right, thanks. That was the great, and I always call him the great Ed Werder, or I call him Eddie Werder. I don't know why I do, but he's terrific. He's a former Dallas Morning News beat writer. He's a uh, terrific on ESPN, and, and we were just fortunate to have him on this ballsy podcast. Almost as fortunate as, as we were not to have Evan Grant he's sitting here uh, kvetching, because that's what he does. He kvetches, and, and Kevin Sherrington uh, yelling at me. So thanks very much for joining us on this Ballsy Podcast. I just want to remind you that we have two more Ballsy Podcasts this week. We have Evan and Kevin from Surprise, Arizona, where they'll be talking Rangers. And then we'll have the great Chuck Carlton breaking down the Final Four. Thank you for joining us on Ballsy. Ballsy.